Welcome, everyone, to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. Anytime you can bring on the best person in the world at something, it is a good day. My guest today is the foremost journalist and reporter covering pro wrestling, the editor of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer. Dave has covered wrestling for over 50 years and has done The Observer since 1982. There's probably no one in the world who's covered Vince McMahon more than Dave Meltzer. So with Vince McMahon having departed WWE and Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, and Paul Levesque taking over, it seemed like the right person to discuss the future of Vince McMahon, the future of WWE, and the future of pro wrestling. Just tons of ground-shaking, industry-changing stuff. Uh, So here we go with my interview with the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer. I am beyond thrilled to have the editor of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer, here with me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Dave, I am so happy you're joining me today. Oh, hey, it's really good to talk to you, Phil. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I've been hearing from you for so long and, uh, <laughs> you know, you sent me an article on my mom, you know, when she passed away, which was because we gr- I grew up in Poughkeepsie, you know, where you live or Wappinger's Falls, actually. You know, Justin, but that area yesterday for yeah. <laughs> having lunch with somebody. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've of... been a subscriber, uh, you know, to you and, and to your what you're doing, WrestlingObserver.com, F4W Online for for many years. So I uh, can't can't endorse it enough as as kind of the journalism, uh, you know, the top of the of the business of of, of what you do. But uh, the reason I invited you on for for this episode was just you know, it's the future of Vince McMahon, it's the future of WWE, and the future of the yeah. wrestling industry all kind of uh, yeah. all kind of changing in the last few weeks. So um, size a seismic shift. It and, really has. And the future um, the future of wrestling. My my uh, you know thoughts of the future of wrestling have changed greatly everything is just uh, very different and um we'll have to see how it all plays out but um i think that uh i think that aw has got a much bigger challenge than it had two months ago and um wwe you know it's you know so far so far so good but uh i mean wwe is going to survive no matter what and i think aw will as well but yeah. um but the dynamics of who's hot and who's not and so many different things have changed yeah well we'll start with um what kind of impacts can and will Vince McMahon's departure have on WWE's business itself? It seems like WWE is relatively idiot-proof financially, yes. just based on all the deals that they made. But completely what, idiot-proof, yeah. What impacts can can and will his departure have on WWE business-wise? And I mean, not much, not much. I think that, like, you know, it may get a little bit hotter, um, or, or you know, I, I suppose it could even get colder, you know, in uh, down the line. But the point is, is those would be very minimal because the money that comes in is going to be the guaranteed money from television, and that you know, the guaranteed money from from uh, the from Peacock, the international deals, and those numbers are already on the books. I mean, like, yeah, the live attendance can shift a little bit up and down, maybe even a lot, uh, but you know, the, the nature of the business, it's not a live attendance uh, a business anymore. It's a television content business and the content money is guaranteed in the long run. Yes, it can get bigger with the next deal, but it was going to anyway under Vince. I mean, um, wrestling has become more and more important in the cable world because so many shows have declined so greatly and wrestling gives you 52 weeks of a very steady audience, which is worth. It's funny, the wrestling audience is worth far more now than it was you know 22 years ago 24 years ago when when wrestling was so much more popular mainstream i mean it's just you know people look at the numbers and go oh it's so low compared to whatever but everything is but i mean we're talking like this week alone 
You know, I mean, Raw was the number two show on cable, and uh, AEW Dynamite was number five on cable. SmackDown dominated its night on Friday night. Um, you know, a lot of reruns and everything, but still dominated the night. And, um, you know, um, that's wrestling is doing really well, and its value to television is very strong. I mean, there's um, there's a million different things in play, but but for NBC Universal and Fox, um, you know, the shows are a big, big success, and uh, are going to be more valuable when the uh, when the rights come due. So for WWE, um, nothing's going to go down without Vince. I mean, that's you know that, that stuff. The deals Nick Khan made have, have transformed that company. Now that he is facing, now that Vince McMahon is facing allegations of misconduct, how important is it for WWE to change the culture and maintain transparency with the talent and with the shareholders? Well, it's very important. Um, you know, I mean, they're, it's weird because it's like a company that, um, you know, originally I remember when the, uh, when they would have the, um, the stock meet, you know, the, the stockholders things, they're so, so detailed and you could really learn the business, but of course the business changed. So it's not as important. A lot of the different categories as they once were, you know, because the, the main category is guaranteed money, but, um, so, so financially they were always, um, they were pretty, pretty out, you know, like pretty out there, but behind the scenes, it's, it's the wrestling culture. And as long as you have people from that old wrestling culture, that is their mentality on the world. So that was going to be uh, different. And that does have to change as a, as a uh, public company. And in, in 2022, you know, I mean, Vince was still behaving like it was 1986 and that's what did him in. Yeah. What were the most important things that he was bringing to the table day to day in WWE? Like now, like Vince, that, Vince? Vince McMahon. Yeah. I don't, I got to stop using pro dads. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it, you know, okay. There's, there's inherent experience in, in being around for so long and seeing everything and seeing so much of what happened, uh, which works for you and also works against you because you, um, you know, a lot of this stuff you learned in the seventies and eighties and is not, you know, things have changed, but you, the period of where you grew, grew and learn, you know, it's like uh, it, it, you know, what you grew and learn, things have changed. So there was a positive and a negative. I mean, the thing is, is he'd been through every, you know, every dealing with talent that there's been probably at some form or another. So he kind of knows how to handle talent really well. I mean, that was the old Jedi mind trick thing. I mean, he was really <laughs> good at getting talent to do what he wanted him to do. And, and uh, you know, so, so that, you know, that was his strength. And just the aura of being Vince McMahon was a strength. Uh, because he'd been there for so long and he was God of professional wrestling and into a lot of people. But the reality is, is that I think it's better off without him. I think that we're going to find that out um, just because, and, 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 and this was going to happen anyway, because he was 76 and how much longer could he go in that, in that position? You were watching wrestling before Vince McMahon ran WWE. And I, I knew the story from following it over the years, but seeing it all written out in your most recent edition of The Observer was just amazing to see all the different steps to where he got everything to. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Is it possible because of the infrastructure that's already there that this company actually grows even bigger than it is now? I expect that it will. Interesting. Um, Yes, I expect that it will. I, I think that we're going to have a little bit more popularity just because um, it's going to be new enough and they're really looking at the future. I mean, there's just a lot of things looking at the future. So I, I expect it will grow. I expect the TV deals to grow. So, yeah, I think that it will be more popular. Um, I mean, I think this move, I mean, it wouldn't have happened without the scandal and everything, but I think this move is a positive um, just because I think that they they needed a change. And um, 
I mean, it's and I think it's a negative for AEW because I think AEW took advantage of the fact that um, their competitor was run by Vince McMahon, who had a very narrow view of what talent could get over. So a lot of talent, you know, kind of knew that we can't go to WWE. So AEW is our place. And that really became the foothold of, of the growth of AEW. And maybe AEW needs to kind of redefine its itself now because before it seemed like, okay, this is an alternative. This is an alternative to sports entertainment. And now you have potentially people with relatively similar views on what pro wrestling is and should look like in the opposite chairs now. So yeah, that's, that's going to be the big challenge. Um, AEW now has better wrestling matches and that's a plus but that's, you know, wrestling popularity has never been about bell-to-bell wrestling matches, although it is more important now than it's ever moved before. But it's never been the be-all and end-all. There are many companies in wrestling wars where the smaller company had better wrestling matches and they were still remained the smaller company. Um, you know, the AEW thing is, is they have to battle this company that's been around forever and is part of culture. And they, the fact that they've come as far as they have is, is absolutely amazing when you really look at it. But um, you know, a lot of it was taking advantages of the, um, I don't want to say weaknesses, but of the mentality of Vince McMahon and, and providing an alternative. And now, yeah, the other company is going to be doing something more similar to what you're doing. And they're bigger and they're better known and they've got the bigger arenas and the better production. And it's going to be, um, and a lot of your talent that didn't want to go there, um, if, if the money's better there, you know, I mean, they have an advantage there because you know, you're talking about a $1.1 billion company versus maybe, maybe a hundred million dollar company. So they have a lot more money to pay talent. So, um, it's, it's going to be a big, big challenge for Tony Khan. I mean, without a doubt, this wasn't in my notes previously, but I'm thinking like the, the, whatever the next deal they have is. And even if it's with discovery with, with Warner, like that corporate synergy is going to be the key to them taking the next step, like just who's behind them and, and how much, Absolutely. That's the biggest, uh, that's the biggest story. The two big stories to look out for the Vince McMahon leaving is the biggest story of in years and years and years, 15 years, you know, since the Benoit thing, the next two big story. Well, the, the, the next, the other big story was the formation of AEW. Um, the next two big stories to watch are potential sale of WWE, um, which a lot of people think is, is, you know, without with Vince out of the picture is more likely than before. And I thought it always was likely at some point. And then also the the television rights deal that AEW picks up when this current contract is up. And, you know, after the last week of reading about Warner Brothers Discovery and all their cost cutting, um, that looked it looked like the AEW timing looks terrible. But, you know, there's other things going on behind the scenes that, that are positive. And, you know, the fact that they were number number five for the week in cable this week. And um, so that's a good thing. So there's 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 pluses and minuses. I mean, they're. What they make is so under um, is, is so ridiculously low compared to the ratings they deliver. So hopefully that will change. But also, you know, the other thing is, is that will other people be interested in and raise that, um, you know, raise that price, you know, with, with multiple bidders? Are there, you know, you would think that there would be a lot of interest in a show, in, in a series of shows and a product that's doing as well as AEW is doing. But, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, money's tight a lot in a lot of places, um, you know, and, and the other one with, with Warner Brothers Discovery is just like they're going to pay the NBA. You know what I mean? And the yeah, NBA yeah. number is going to go up. And so it's like while they're doing cost cutting, they're going to pay the NBA. So um, 
Time will tell, but that's a giant story, yes. And, and the NHL did surprisingly well. Uh, I'm a big hockey fan, but I thought the Stanley Cup playoffs pulled much better numbers than I would have expected. I thought so, too. I thought um, I thought that hockey had, especially during the season, um, it was a little up, but but like when in the, in the postseason, they did really well this year. And so that's also a valuable property that they just got. So, um, you know, with those valuable properties – well, AEW is also valuable. They're not, you know, NHL and, and NBA are always going to be priorities over them. Yeah. Do you really think they're going to sell? People have asked me that so many times. WWE? Uh, yeah. I, they, I mean, NBC Universal should buy them. I mean, if I was it NBC, seems like it would make sense, you know. It makes sense to they and, and buy them and get SmackDown back. I mean, it's is unless they think that cable TV is dying and they don't want to spend money. And I, I don't think cable TV is changing and it is getting smaller, but I don't think it's dying. Um but I, uh, you know, you know, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they'll sell. Uh, you know, I think everything that's been, you know, all the Nikon moves seem to be to set to, you know, make the company ripe for a sale. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking too. I was watching the a uh, little bit of the Jake Paul um, uh, Triple H. Jake Paul, Logan Paul. I wrote the wrong wrong. Logan, Paul, Logan, Paul, Logan Paul in the Logan Miz. Paul. Triple H interview yesterday. Oh, okay. I didn't see that interview, but I know I know the interview. Yeah, but just uh, thinking about some of the stuff with him and Bad Bunny and McAfee and some of those opportunities. One of the things that Logan Paul was bringing up to Triple H was just ways of uh, taking some of his digital marketing, you know, kind of thoughts and integrating them in with WWE. And and Paul Levesque was just like, "Yes, please bring all of those ideas because yeah. this, this is how we, you know, this is how we grow the company." You know, yeah. so it was just it's it, I think that's the direction where they grow because they're not afraid to try those interesting things like, you know, Bad Bunny and that kind of stuff. Even if like Triple H even admitted, like, I didn't know who the heck Logan Paul was when really? this started because <laughs> they asked him, like, what did you what did you think about it when you first heard about this? And he's like, I had absolutely no idea who he was, but my kids know who he is. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, I mean, I knew I knew who I knew who he was. But I knew who he was long before the boxing. But, yeah. um, you know, I mean, he, I think he got a lot of fame in my world when his first boxing show did great pay-per-view numbers and it's kind of like, this makes no sense. We, I got to find out who this guy is. That was the thing he was saying, like when the, I can't remember the name of the person in WWE who handles the celebrities, but he said that she had come to him with that. And, and he's like, then I started looking up the guy and I realized like, wait, this guy wants to do this. Okay. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. but um, what's, I know a lot of people will notice some of the terms that are back on the show and some of the words and stuff like that, but what, what is really the biggest difference with Vince McMahon not being there now? It's too early to say. I mean, I think, you know, we, everybody saw, you know, Tommaso Ciampa got a push, um, you know, on Monday night, but, you know, he'll probably lose to Lashley this week. I mean, there'll be some talent and different, different usages of talent, but I mean, as far as big picture, um, it still looked like raw to me. I mean, it was a better show than usual, but you know, of course, you know, right now there's going to be a lot of new ideas and it's going to be better. So that's not a surprise, but um, I mean, that's, that's something that we really were going to have to look at in six months and see like, is the wrestling quality going to be way better? Um, are they going to be, you know I, know, I know some of the things that they're looking for, you know, I mean, they're definitely looking at expanding in a lot of ways. I mean, triple H, you know, he wanted to, you know, when he, he he wanted to have outposts all over the world and then the pandemic kind of killed all that. And Nikon, you know, also, you know, they started solidifying and and those plants were were put away. But now they have so much money again and the pandemic's over. So maybe, you know, the idea of like expanding with more developmental programs um, makes more sense. And obviously, um, you know, they're just recruiting all kinds of women gymnasts 
So, you know, um, the women will be, you know, are, are being, I mean, they're certainly, um, looking for, for the attractive women. That's always been the cornerstone of what WWE looks for, for television, but we're going to have a higher quality of athlete of the women going forward based on who they're recruiting. Yeah. One thing that struck me about the last couple of shows TV wise was the pacing of them and kind of the formatting. I thought that the MSG show, the way they flowed from like segment to segment to segment, kind of each segment bleeding into the next reminded me a little bit of ECW when Paul Heyman was booking ECW where people were kind of, you know, one segment was just ending as the other one was beginning, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's going to be interesting. I, it, it seems to me that the wrestling is going to be an emphasis, uh, whether it should be or not. It, it, it'll, it'll be, it'll be, yeah, yeah, because um, Paul is a, a wrestler and Paul, you know, is, is I mean, Vince, you know, you always want good wrestling, but yeah. I do think that like a lot of the matchups we made more with the idea of does A and B mesh together well, whereas before I think it's just it was just, um, you know, whatever storyline we're working on and these guys just have to mesh together. And um, I think that we'll have. Um, I think we'll have better finishes, but I don't think it's going to be all clean finishes. I think these show, these last shows sh showed that. But um, you know, I mean, again, it's it's. I think it's a slow, gradual process, and we're not going to really know. Um, you know, I mean, I think that there's going to be. Uh, I think the top people will have less scripting of their interviews, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, bottom people maybe not, but top people I think will. And I thought that the emphasis on the championships was the other takeaway that I really had yes. on Monday, that they are going to establish these championships as a big piece of the storytelling. Now, the U.S. title, I don't think, has ever meant more than it did with a mini tournament in one night. All three matches were good and a JBL uh, narrated uh, video with all sorts of historical stuff in it. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think that they'll use history more because he's a fan of history. So, um yeah, I do think that I think that the I think we'll see more emphasis on the championships and less silliness with the championships. And I think that, um, you know, I mean, it's that's a matter of taste, but I think it's probably in 2022 a good thing. And I think it's probably good for my taste. I don't know if that's, that's everybody's taste. I don't know if I'm the demographic they're looking for. Everyone's so. ev everyone's different. I mean, you're, you're trying to cast the widest net and nobody knows what that is. You know, Vince thought he knew. Everyone thinks they know. And nobody knows until you put it in practice and see how it works. I mean, I thought that the, you know, everybody thought that this product on NXT, you know, they were with younger talent and all that was going to attract a younger audience and end up attracting a super old <laughs> audience. So you, you never know what is going to work and what's not going to work until you do it. And then, you know, you give it time and, and either it works or you learn that, Hey, this is not what works. I, I think a real key to the, the future here too, is in addition to the possibility of changes with NXT, which is probably still down the road. I'd imagine that NXT and the PC are going to work a lot better in concert with the main roster than they did before. A hundred percent. And that and, was that was a real flaw of NXT is you would have these people what killed NXT. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things that I should say killed because it's still alive. But a lot of <laughs> the things that hurt NXT were that they would build up a guy on NXT as this big, big star. And then you go to the main roster and he would just do nothing. And it just said it just basically told people, hey, don't invest in these guys in NXT because they're not going to get a, they're not. You know, these guys that you think are big stars aren't going to get that shot. And now I think that that is going to happen a lot less. I've always kind of viewed their PC like I know that sometimes the knock on WWE is oh they aren't creating their own stars but you could really look at almost anybody in WWE history and figure out where they started somewhere else anyway all the way back to Hogan maybe even before but oh, I've always all, all, all the old stars started somewhere else but oh, now yeah, sure. now in the future um you know it's going to be a combination of of 
people who make their names on the independents and people who thus they self-create in the laboratory. And more and more, you know, I think that they want to use the people who they self-create because they're bigger and better looking and higher quality athletes. And that's yeah. what they want in the product long term. It takes a, it'll take a while for them to catch up in the ring. But if they get a chance and get the ring time, that's the other thing they need to do is they they need to run more developmental shows, which they have started oh, yeah. doing also. But those developmental, like they're doing every other weekend, but they need to, I, I would, you know, I mean, because of logistics and travel and everything, you can't do two shows a night, but I would want to do optimum two shows of developmental, you know, three nights a week, you know, and they, they won't. So that way more people get more ring time because that's what they need now is, yeah. is all of these great young athletes to be in the ring three nights a week as opposed to one night a week or one night every other week. And I think it's also probably important to have some of those young athletes working with some veterans too, because the only yes. way you actually get better is working with people who are better than you. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I've always kind of viewed their PC as more of a finishing school than any than kind of a from scratch kind of thing. I know they they want to create the talents, but you know, talking at, in interviews I've done over the years with different people, like I, I the one that stands out in my mind totally was when I talked to Finn Balor when he was still in NXT. And obviously he was a huge star worldwide before he even stepped foot in WWE. But he was so excited that day. He's like, when I hang up the phone with you today, I'm going to be rolling around with Johnny Saint for like an hour. Well, that's, <laughs> like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's that's So that's they great. got a lot of stuff out of that, but it's more just, kind of, it's, it's more of like, you know, fine tuning than it is, uh, you know, you're doing like the beginner's class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need, you need everything. You need the whole gamut. You need, you need stuff for beginners and you need to be able to get those beginners up to speed, you know, yeah. and sometimes they, sometimes that's worked and sometimes it hasn't. Yeah, I mean, like dude, Japan does an awesome job with their dojo system and, yes. and now they've established their U S but it's a totally different kind of dynamic. Cause even in Japan, like work culture is even different for what you don't leave. You stay with the same company for ever and ever. And yeah, and it's also, it's also like 24 seven. I mean, like you, you live in the dojo pretty much, or you live wow. right by there and you're, um, you know, and you're really hammered on basics. I mean that the new Japan way of training, um, wrestlers for bell to bell is clearly the, the superior way, but they are also, um, you know, they they are great bell to bell wrestlers, but there's in the United States, so much of it depends on talking ability and you need that training too. And, and they're not trained in that manner. Like, like we, like we would do here. So for WWE, the training would be different, but there's certainly way, you know, things to learn. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny because like, uh, Finley sent his son and Regal sent his son originally, you know, to, to new Japan, before they were, you know, and Finley's son's still with New Japan, but Regal's son is in WWE developmental now. But they sent them there first because of the idea that they would get that better basic first round of training. Yeah. Does AEW need to get in that game a little bit more now with the way things are going? You know, they, they can recruit from indies and indies will always be around. Um, I think for women, um, you know, because they are behind with women in a lot of ways. Um, that, that, uh, that, yeah, I mean, ultimately long run. Yes. They, they need to have a, a, a system like that, you know, rather than farm it out. I mean, they, you know, they got QT training people and they got Dustin training people. So it's there, but, um, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Dustin's big thing is, is like, we're teaching people heart and, uh, and we'll, you know, um, it, it, it's, you know, they have, they have a system. I mean, yeah. obviously it can be improved, but every system can be improved. 
Sure. Uh, one, one person I wanted to bring up, and you, you touched on him a couple of times already, is uh, Nick Khan. I think people, uh, a lot of people don't understand totally what his importance is to WWE. A lot of people credited him with all the releases when those happened. Yeah, that, um, was still, that was Vince. But I mean, like every every big decision was Vince. But now, yeah. now the decisions are are Nick Khan and Stephanie. That's the bottom line. That's where it ends. So if something happens, it's it's Nick Khan and Stephanie agreeing on what happens. So cuts are, are, are going to... And the cuts decisions... Are going to largely be made by by Stephanie and Paul, um, as will be the signings um, budget. You know, they're both probably going to be working on that. But yeah, now Nikon really does have that power. You know, more, far more than he had before. But he did have a lot of power. He was, you know, behind Vince, he was the most powerful guy in the company. But his value is in, um, you know, deal negotiations and business stuff. And he's been worth his weight in gold. I mean, they the WWE deals are just tremendous. That's why they're in. If it wasn't for Nikon. Um, the company would be taking a lot more of a hit stock market wise, I think, um, with the loss of Vince. But everybody looks and it's like these deals are in place. Their finances are not going down. So you don't have to worry about, oh, my God, without Vince, it's going to go down because because it's not. And they, they might have even been in a better place going into the pandemic because of those. Oh, they're in a million times yeah. better place. If if um, if they didn't have those deals at that level, they would have been hurt very badly in the pandemic. The reality is they were became far more profitable in the pandemic because giving up house shows and all that stuff was actually leading to higher profits, <laughs> right. you know? And then when they came out of the pandemic, um, you know, people were so starved for house shows that they did well again, which, you know, I think that, cause they weren't doing that great coming, you know, going into the pandemic. So um, the pandemic actually, um, I don't want to say benefited them, but they weren't hurt by it, you know, financially at all. Yeah, they were, they seem pretty nimble, uh, you know, just about ways that they could adjust things that they wouldn't really have a loss to it. Um, wh why is Stephanie McMahon important and what does she bring to the table in all of this? Well, she's Vince's daughter. And so, um, you know, she's been around the business. She's kind of learned the business for decades from Vince. So there's that. And um, let's face it, Vince is going to still talk to her, you know, so Vince is going to have influence. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that she's there is because he's out of the company, but in another way, his influence will still be felt. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there was the idea of having a McMahon in that position just felt, you know, the board felt that, that, that was important. It's so weird because, you know, she was out of the company in May and now here she yeah. is co-CEO. Do, do you think Vince McMahon will still feel compelled to contribute, uh, at least like advisory wise with his uh -huh, family yeah, yeah. in the meantime? Yeah, I think I don't think he can help it, and I don't think that they can help listening to him because that's both both Paul Levesque and and Stephanie. That's who they learned from. So if that guy is watching and says, "Hey, this, this, and this," this is the guy who taught him. So yeah, yeah. he's gonna he will he his influence will be there, but he's not going to be the one making the final decisions. But he's going to be the one with he's still going to have a great deal of influence. As I was making notes for this too, and I kind of just bounced around all of my notes, compared, depending on where we went in the conversation here. But I was thinking too that you know, with the way that things are going right now, NXT wherever it goes, and ROH wherever it goes, could end up again competing for the same piece of the pie. You know, just the way that this is all going to shake out. Um, the, the, um, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It's know impossible the, to know now, but you yeah, know. I, I. I don't. I don't know about about ROH and what it, you know. I mean, if there's if there's so much about ROH that's still up in the air. You know, if they yeah. get a television deal, then things change. But then, does it dilute AEW? And the reality is, is I think that wrestling is doing good with you know Raw, SmackDown, and and Dynamite are doing well. 
NXT is um, there. You know, it's 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 not top ten in its time slot, whereas the other ones usually win their time slot. Um, so NXT is is not that strong. Um, Rampage has fallen has fallen a lot lately. So I think that the I think the optimum is those three shows. And when you just add like whether it's an ROH show or something else, I think it's just going to dilute the bottom part. I don't think there's a lot of interest in the bottom part. I think that the interest is going to be in those big three TV shows. Maybe Tony can spruce up Rampage and get it back going. Um, you know, maybe, maybe NXT will grow a little bit, but it, it, you know, people, people, even wrestling fans only have so many hours a day to yeah. devote to wrestling and adding new shows now. I mean, you've got impact, like impacts around ring of honor was around, but they weren't really getting any big viewership. If ring of honor was getting big viewership, Sinclair never would have sold it. Um, you know, we see the impact numbers every week, you know? Um, so there's not, I don't think that there's a big market for more wrestling television. I think that the current wrestling television can do very well though. And does. All right, we're going to move to something we call the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your answers. Uh, first off, what is the best part about covering pro wrestling and editing the Wrestling Observer newsletter every week? Uh, learning, you know, just learning about the business. Um, I have to learn because I'm looking at these numbers and, um, you know, um, but yeah, learning what works, learning what doesn't work. Um, learning about, you know, as you get older, you learn more and more about life and things like that. And, um, so yes, that's by far the best thing. One guy I really enjoy reading about in wrestling is Bruiser Brody for his unique persona, his background to being a journalist and, uh, and just as right. he was, he was a sports reporter. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love that he was like a wrestling observer reader early. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, he, um, he used to get mad at me when he thought I was compromising journalism um, you know, or whatever, like sometimes where, you know, he said like, your, your job is not to, is, is not to be nice to these people. Your job is to hold them accountable. Sometimes he thought I was too nice to the people and, and, and everything, which is funny because of course, all the people thought I was way too mean to them, but he was always like, you know, you're not supposed to be nice to them. They are not supposed to like you. You are the adversary. I always thought neither the adversary or the, you know, or the PR machine, you, you want to be the, you know, unbiased you know as unbiased as you can be but you but but yeah he he was you know he, he was an interesting influence on me i wonder you know i mean it, it's that's one of the real tragedies of of wrestling you know is is his death because you know he could have ended up being a, a you know a front office person i mean i don't know where his life would have gone i wish he was i wish there were guys like him around today uh because i think that 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 you know i mean brock is kind of the closest thing and brock is a great asset to the business so um you know, but yeah, those, those kind of unique personas where you kind of blur the line, you know, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, uh, I mean, you know, and he was valuable as hell in his, in his day. Yeah. And that was kind of where my question was going was if what his capability to thrive in the modern era would have kind of become, you know, just based on his such a unique skill set, knowing TV, knowing creative, knowing the physical side of it and, yeah. and, and just the crazy background that he had to, I just, I just love hearing about him and the stories about him are just so fun to, to, to follow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what a, what a, you know, again, wrestling's had a lot of tragedies and that was definitely one of them. Yeah. Yep. And the last question, why do people care so much about your star ratings and what should or shouldn't people read out of them? Okay. The star ratings should be when, when match is high, you should look at it and go, okay, that's a recommendation to watch the match and enjoy the match. You know, it's, it must be enjoyable. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't follow movies close enough to know what kind of stuff um, critics have. I mean, I take it seriously in the sense of 
um when i do it i i you know i watch these matches closely and all that i mean but it's not like my opinion is the the gospel and it's the only thing and i never consider it like that and um but it is you know it, it's it's a it's an attempt to be uh you know to say hey this is this is the level of recommendation I would give to this match. Either you can learn from it or you'll be entertained by it or something like that. That is kind of where, um, I come from with it. And, um, you know, um, and for myself with my annual hall of fame voting, because your, your ring performance to me is a big, big part of your hall of fame candidacy. I, as a voter, take my own, star ratings very seriously in my own voting. That's not to say that somebody else shouldn't take their own opinions of everyone should take their own opinions of matches that they've seen seriously when voting, as opposed to just, you know, um, trying to come up with box office numbers and things like that, because box office, of course it's part of it, but that's changed so much in, in the last couple of years and having great, great matches night after night should, you know, should be a strong hall of fame, qualification some people just throw that out and i don't believe believe in throwing that out so i absolutely if if uh tomohiro ishii has you know a near the highest number of four-star matches in history i take that very seriously when i cast my hall of fame ballot now other people may go he's not a big enough star and you know that's what the hall of fame is in the sense of it's it's your opinion and it's it's wrestling's a very debatable more than anything else wrestling's a super debatable hall of fame because the criteria isn't you know we don't have batting averages and things like that we do have star ratings but they're everyone has their own opinion of what what, what makes for a good match and what makes for a not good match so um but yeah I, I i i mean people who debate over a quarter of a star that's ridiculous that means we agree <laughs> you know it's like I, I hear people go oh you know you only gave this four and three quarters only only do you realize anything over four means it's a great match so that that's kind of annoying in a sense that people don't understand everything over four is a great match and everything from there is bonus points anyway and um you know if you're arguing over a quarter star or a half star on a match this week let alone a match 30 years ago that's just that's not taking it the right way that's just um i don't know how to explain that and i never thought that that would happen years ago that you know, people would argue over a quarter of a star of a match. I mean, it basically, you know, my friends and I are often a half star apart and they think just like me or very sim similar to me on the same match. So we, you know, anything within a half star is an agreement. Anything within a full star is kind of close. If you're three stars away from me, then, then, you know, that's a, that's an actual disagreement and that's fine. I go to movies and, uh, you know, I mean, my star ratings of movies would be different from, you know, Cisco, you know, or something like that. But that doesn't make him invalid. And that doesn't make him somebody I can't learn from, you know, because he knows the, the that industry a million times better than I do. So, you know, I don't know. That's so that's kind of my thoughts on star ratings, I guess. Well, at least people, it means people care about your opinion. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's where you are in, in this world. But uh, uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I just want to plug again, wrestlingobserver.com, F4W online, and all the great stuff that you and uh, and Brian Alvarez and, and, and the cast there are doing uh, each and every week to just, you know, really make accountability happen in the, in the industry of wrestling. I think it's important to cover. And I think anybody who thinks it's not important to cover is is missing the point. Yeah. Well, th thanks very much. And I really, I really enjoyed this and it was great talking to Phil and great seeing you and, um, you know, good luck and hopefully we can see each other and do this again. Definitely. Thank you very much. 
Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I want to thank Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter for joining me today. On a personal note, Dave's been someone I have looked up to not only in my wrestling coverage, but in my journalism career, too. So this was a big thrill for me. We've got another good one coming up next week that I am very excited about. It's the former lead writer for WWE, Brian Gewertz. He's got a book coming out later this month and has probably seen more in the world of WWE than most people not named McMahon. So lots of fun stuff coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Have a great week, everybody.